Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Bonnie Gordon from Star Trek Prodigy, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you've seen. Ah! Ah! Lights! So this is how liberty dies. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. Good evening, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm Chrissy Raffensperger. And I'm Dave Sellers. And tonight, it's October. We are going to be reviewing something that blends both science fiction and horror together by looking at a movie called Event Horizon. And we're going to talk about that in our show tonight after we talk about what's going on in our sci-fi. How are you guys doing tonight? Awesome. Good, good, good. Pretty good. You excited about October here? I love the fall, so I, I do like October. It's a little bit warm right now for October, but that's okay. Yes. It is a bit warm for October, definitely in our in our area. It's like in the eighties and nineties, which is unusual in Pennsylvania. So. Yeah, but I think we had like normally we get this kind of weather like towards the end of September, and like I think we basically got skipped. So it was the delayed Indian summer. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, it's um. I, I love fall too. Uh, as you guys know, I'm moving, so it's just one of those that my focus tends to be more there than it does uh, at some of the fall stuff this year. But we'll get there. I'll have a week to enjoy it after we move. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so. We roll right into winter. Yeah, roll right into winter. Just skip fall together. Actually, I went to a, we, our local, uh, one of our local towns had a uh, street fair, so I went to that. And that was my fall. Tribute I miss going up to that one. Uh, the effort of one? Yeah, I haven't yeah. been up to that one in years. I yeah. enjoyed it when I used to go when I was younger. Yeah, so we, we went Saturday. It wasn't real full. It was like Saturday lunch. And had a good time. Had a good time. Nice. But yeah, so uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in our science fiction universe. So uh, who wants to start us out? Oh, Did- I'll go. All right, Miles. So I watched Event Horizon for our uh, look back. Um, I'm enjoying uh, Ahsoka on uh, Disney+. Plus. Um, I, you know, I, I, I had a nerdgasm when I saw Thrawn. Um, that was awesome. Didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi line about, you know, millions of uh, nerds' voices going out. Uh, <laughs> cried out. Yeah. Cried out, but it was a joy. So, um, catching Carnival Row occasionally, that's a slow one for me. Uh, I'm caught up on Star Trek Lower Decks. 
I thought the profanity in this last one, I mean, I granted it was all bleeped out, but it just seemed like they used profanity like it was a comma in a sentence. It just seemed a little, be, a little too much. And I know Lower Decks is, you know, for the sense of humor it has and stuff, but I just thought it kind of went a little, little, went a little crazy. I mean, I'm not a prude or anything, but just like it just seemed like they overdid it with the profanity. I'm reading... Um, Second Chance, an alternative history of the American Revolution um, and by Michael Roberts. There's four more books in that series. I'm enjoying this one now, so I'll definitely, after this one's done, um, I'll read the next one. They, I'm hooked, so they, they got a customer in me. Tell me about that a little bit, Miles. What, uh, what's the premise of that being an alternate history? So the premise is England won the... Um, the, the Revolutionary War, uh, and so in England, it, England is basically the world power. Uh, you know, the only the only uh, competitors would would be um, China and Soviet Union in this universe. Now, somehow, these people have found a spaceship slash time machine, and they get the idea to, uh, you know, they 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 don't like. No, if you're not if you're not an English citizen, you're almost a second class citizen, and you know English troops get away with the stuff. Um, the, the protagonists uh, had a situ- situation where his 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 wife ends up uh, murdered and raped by a British soldier, so he obviously has uh, bad feelings towards uh, the Brits, and so he he volunteers to go back in time and try to. Um, Turn, 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 turn the tide and turn the course to, towards uh, the, the colonists' uh, favor. Uh, he's a military-trained guy himself, police officer, so he has military skills. He brings some um, present-day tech with him as far as uh, weapons, and so um, to, to give him advantage over of the British soldiers. So that's uh, that's kind of what they're, they're that's kind of what they're exploring. He, I'm not going to give too, too many spoilers away, but he saves George Washington's life and part of the book. And so he kind of, that's why he sort of been, finds his way what? in. That's pretty cool. I know uh, yeah. they had a video game out years ago or God, it was on the Xbox 360 or something where it was kind of the same premise, but you were going back in time during the American civil war oh. and you were going in with, with a modern weapon and trying to, Turn the tide at a few battles. It was a neat. It was a neat game. I like the premise of it. I'd love to see more, more stuff like see, that. They sometimes put video games like on YouTube. They'll just put yeah. the um, the the story part of it, not necessarily the game playing part of it. Uh, you mean the story YouTube. cinematics? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So you, you'll yeah. let, find out the name of it. I, I, I'll have to see if they the, the cinematics are on YouTube. I'll have to figure that out because yeah, like that'd be pretty neat again. Yeah. So that that that's what's been going on in my sci-fi world. Awesome, very good, Chrissy. How about you? What's going on in your science fiction universe? Well, um, other than Event Horizon, I have been reviewing my German. So what I've been doing with my nerd world was I went through out. All of the Brothers Grimm fairy tales in German, and 
they're unhinged. And they <laughs> some are. Of them. My one of my favorite ones is like this gardener. So you have two brothers. One's rich, one poor. He decides the poor one goes off and becomes a gardener, and he like grows this giant turnip, and he's like, I don't know what to do with this giant turnip. I shall give it to the king, and the king's like, Oh my gosh, I love this giant turnip. This is the best thing ever. Here's all these riches. And then like his rich brother gets jealous because the king gave him all this money for a giant turnip. So then he gives the king a really awesome horse. And the king's like, oh my gosh, I love this horse so much. There's no way I could possibly match this horse except for with this giant turnip. And so <laughs> it's like ridiculous. And then so the brother ends up with this giant turnip. And he's like really ticked off because he wanted the money, not a giant turnip. So what else is he to do but try to murder his brother? And so he hires all these murderers to go out with brother, and so he tricks them out into going into the woods, and then, like, while these people are trying to kill him, they hear this per- a horse coming, so then they flee, and they, like, but before they flee, they, like, stuff him in a bag and sh- put him up in a tree, and then he, like, manages to, like, wiggle his head out, and he's like, good morning, good morning, and the person who's on the horse is like, what's this voice? And he's like, oh my gosh. I've been up in this sack forever and it's a magic sack that like makes me have all the knowledge of the world. And the guy's like, Oh my gosh, I'm a student. I really want all the knowledge of the world. Can I get into the sack too? And he's like, I don't know. I, I just don't know if that's going to work. So eventually the student convinces the guy to like take him down. And then he gets out of the sack and stuffs the student in the sack and hauls him back over the tree. And then it just ends. Fair enough. There's, there's no plot. Like you're just left with like, what did I just read? Did I did I translate this correctly? And you're like flipping back through the pages and you're like, nope, nope. I it's just a random thing that happened. So, which is why it's my favorite, because it's absolutely unhinged. Where there's just like a random giant turn up and like it doesn't has zero resolution and just breaks all the rules of modern story writing, and I just love it. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you want just an enjoyable, just unhinged nonsense, just go read some fairy tales. She'll be like, "What is this?" Oh, we'll be getting into that. We read a few grim in a world lit class, so maybe I'll have to bring that one in. Yes, I also like the one where like there's like a sausage rolling around in vegetables to flavor it. You're like, <laughs> Dave's Why? like, uh, there's a whole other interpretation to that story <laughs> that we aren't getting into. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a bird, a sausage, and a mouse that all live together. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's like like anthrop- anthropomorphic straw, and you're like, what? I, seriously, there's times I was like trying to read, but like, I, I don't think that I'm reading this correctly. That's not what it says. And then I translate, I'm like, nope, nope. That is exactly what it says. So, um, I'll be, ah, cat! <laughs> I love when Miles brings the cat on because then I just get distracted and all I think is cat. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm currently doing with my with my sci-fi world is reading things in German to just get back into that language. Right. Very good. Dave, what's going on in your science fiction path? Oh, not all, not a whole heck of a lot. Um, caught up with lower decks. I, I still love it. Um, Ahsoka is still amazing, but leaving me wanting so much more every week. And it's going to be frustrating. As Star when, Wars is one to do. 
Oh, not in a bad way, but like in a, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for next week's episode. And they're going to leave me on a real cliffhanger for like two years here till the next season comes. And it's going to hurt. It's isn't, hurt isn't bad. The, isn't the movie next? Well, see, this is the thing. I've been talking to some a friend of mine who is far, far more knowledgeable about Star Wars than I am. I mean, to the point where I look at him sometimes and go, do you have a life, my friend? <laughs> you, you do. You, this is me talking. You know way too much. Um, he has a life. It's called Star, it's called Star Wars. Wars. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, he was telling me he's he's about ninety percent sure you're going to get the next season of Mandalorian coming, and then a second season of Ahsoka, and then the movie. Which I, I will be very happy if that's the way it pans out. Because you can start to flush Thrawn out in Mando and Ahsoka more right. before the climactic end, and actually give that character of Thrawn the proper the proper use, rather than just a one off in a movie. Right. Well, so, to be to be I, fair, I, I, I mean, that's true. To be fair, like at the end of a movie, Thrawn doesn't need to die. No, he does so, not. So, and there's a thousand and one ways you can like capture him and then he escapes i mean there's just there's and a, if he dies we can just clone him it's fine right and we can have out yeah. outbound flight or you can cut off his legs and you can just stick him on like mechanical legs it's fine fall into lava you're just walk off <laughs> yep <laughs> it's Star Wars. yeah so outside of those two things um the only other the only other thing relevant in my, my sci-fi world is I, I found on a, an older Call of Duty game that there's a zombie mode that you can play solo instead of online with other people. And I have been playing Call of Duty Cold War zombies for like the last two weeks, every spare moment I have. I was almost late to get on this call because I was in the middle of a match when Scott said, "Hey, I'll be ready in ten minutes." Crap! <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up we and log off and get it on here. But well, I moved my PlayStation up here with my computer because I realized my my good desktop monitor has a second input, so I can plug that thing into there. So all of my gaming junk is in one room in one spot. So it was convenient, but oh man, yeah, it's just addictive. I love it. Very good. Very yeah. good. Well, what are you supposed to do in October if not play zombie Call of Duty? Well, exactly. It just fit. It and there's fit. supposed to be a new zombie mode when Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 drops in November. And I've already got that pre-ordered. So Fair <laughs> enough. Saying. Fair enough. So in my sci-fi world, obviously Ahsoka, uh, as everyone ecstatic when Thrawn showed up, ecstatic when Ezra Bridger shows up. And I love I love what they're doing with the Ezra Bridger character uh, in the limited that we've been able to see him in action, and uh, yeah, so it's it's been it's been interesting. Um, alongside of that, I I have unfortunately gotten into TikTok because of because of my um, because of my so married a Mennonite YouTube channel that we have. 
And so we have, we put content out on like all the video platforms. So in, Instagram, TikTok, um, and then uh, Facebook, and then YouTube, obviously. But as a part of that, I get recommended these uh, funny Star Wars independent shorts. That I was showing Dave some of them. They're absolutely, they're, they're absolutely inept stormtroopers, kind of a father and son relationship that are stormtroopers, and they're hilarious. And that's just a, right, Dave. I'll, I'll try to throw links sometime in um, in the chat because it's. Uh, they, I'm sure they have it on YouTube too. I just encountered them on TikTok, and they're just. I've been watching them and finding great joy in the fan universe of like fan films. Miles, when you and I first started, like one of our, our earliest episodes, we reviewed fan films, Star Wars fan films, and then we did Star Trek fan films. In the 13, 14 years since then. Like what what people can do with their own budget and own thing, like the standard for me in Star Wars was watching the the Star Wars Cops episode, uh, which is absolutely hilarious. If you've never seen it, it's fantastic. But not a lot of green screen in that. A little bit maybe, but now they just look so much more authentic with what they can do. And so, anyways. That's been a part of what it, what's been going on in my uh, sci-fi world. Obviously, Event Horizon, and still reading the Dresden Files and enjoying that. Oh, and I'm of course watching Rebels because I'm finishing. I'm pushing myself through because I've never finished a series, and I just got to the episode where they revealed Maul is still alive. Yep, yep, Maul is alive. And not with his mechanical legs, or doesn't see it. Not not the spider legs that you saw him in some in Clone Wars, but so yeah. So we're at the Sith Temple, and I'm just um, gonna be over here twitching. Yeah, that's all right. No, have you watched it this far yet? She has not watched. She has not watched Rebels. No, have have you seen it to this point before? No, this is no. I've time. seen the entire thing. It just made me twitch. Okay. Okay, because okay. you're getting to a, they got to the Sith Temple. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, hence, like, hence I, my comments about people just not dying. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, and I love how he says, "I used to be," he goes, but they now people call me Maul. You know, just that without the Darth in front of it. So, and I love how the Inquisitors are hunting him, which puts him in a weird sort of alliance with the with Kanan and Ahsoka and a bizarre twist. So I haven't watched how that all plays out, but I'm, um, it's, I'm excited it's, it's about good. it. Yeah. So I've actually, there's a video um, that I use in my classroom on the, on, a tra- on the tragic hero where they, tr- where they chart Anakin's fall fitting the traditional Sophoclean hero um, and there is footage from Rebels, which is, which Ahsoka spe- speaking that I encountered. I'm like, I recognize this line because of the what he's talking about, Anakin. Um. Anyways, so yeah, so this has been um kind of what's going on in my science fiction world, and um, yeah, hers. All right, so uh. Let's sleep in. We're talking Event Horizon. It's October. We needed something horror esque. 
Um, do we want to talk about our first encounters with this film? Did any of you did any of you see this in theaters? No, no. Uh, was any did anyone watching it now? Was this their first time watching it? How many? Yes. Of you, yes. That was Dave. Did you see it before? Oh yeah, yeah, many times. Uh, so so the story that I have to tell you, my first encounter with it, I was living, I was working at Salanco High School. And there was a Blockbuster video in, I think it was Blockbuster in Kendrick Square at the time. Oh, no, that was uh, A to Z. A to Z, you're, you're right. A to Z yep. video. And I rented this video from Event Horizon. I'm like, oh, look, a science fiction film. Um, and uh, and I'm you know about black space travel, black hole. What's not to love, right? What's not to love, right? And so I, I get I, I get the, I get the VHS. I pop it into my VHS player, and mind you, it's not. It was it was daylight when I was watching it, and literally I get into the movie, and I'm about a half an hour in, and suddenly I realize I'm fast forwarding through. I don't know, maybe fifty percent of the movie afterwards, because I just couldn't. Because it just freaked me out so bad. Freaked me out so bad. And so that was my first encounter, and I swore I would never revisit it again. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm glad we got past thank that. You, thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You're welcome. We're, if we're helping you conquer your fears, this is all. No, I, I'm not certain that you are. I'm not certain you are, but. <laughs> Listen, exposure therapy is good. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying, Scott, you're still not desensitized? I'm still traumatized by it. Oh, it okay. freaks me out just a little bit. Freaks me out a little bit. Okay. But you know, I you know, exposure therapy only works so far. There are some things I've been exposed to that I wish I haven't been. So <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> yeah. Don't poke well, the mean, bear. Don't you, poke the bear. Usually, you also have you know people there to help you like practice calming techniques and all that other stuff and grounding and you know help yeah. you get through. The, the panic of things. So I'm not actually saying, you know, go scare your friends and call it exposure therapy. Don't actually do that. Um, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Anyways, Dave, when did you first yeah. encounter this movie? Oh gosh. See, this came out in 97. I must've seen it probably once it came, once it was out on, on video. Might have been like 2001, 2002. Okay. Shortly after I graduated, I was probably like 17, 18 years old when I saw it. Okay. And I forget if I saw it on like HBO or something like that back in the day when that was a premium television channel. Right. And I scheduled it out there. But that was, that was the first time I saw it. Yeah. And again, like you, I'm like, oh, cool. Science fiction movie, Lawrence Fishburne. Nice. Sam right. Neill. Come on. Sam Neill. I'm like, all right. I know these guys. This will be good. Right. Oh, it was good. It was great. Loved it. Um, especially when the dudes, they're, they're watching like the video log of the ship and the dude's standing there with his eyeballs in his hands, just bleh, in Latin or whatever the hell. I'm like, oh God, this is freaky. This is awesome. <laughs> Of course, that was when I was getting into a brief horror movie phase in my uh, my life. So I was like, "This is this is this is good." 
Right. And then I hadn't, I maybe watched it a few times randomly when it's, when I've seen it or been on like, Oh yeah, that I want to watch that one again. <laughs> yeah. And I put it on while I was doing something else. But yeah, this is the first time I've actually watched it through again and really paid a little more attention in a while. You know, you you mentioned uh, one of the things about this movie that I think is was, was such a big draw is the is it has a pretty solid cast. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you, 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 you Fishburne. This is like pre Matrix. Like, I think maybe like a year or two after this, Matrix comes out. Like ninety seven, ninety nine. I think the first Matrix came out. And yeah, then, the Matrix came out in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, so like he's yeah. like right right before this, you know, he's coming to his own. You have Sam Sam Neill, of course, known for Jurassic Park and many other movies prior to that. Um, it, it does have a very solid cast, and the yeah. acting was really good. And like J- it's Jason, not a Jason campy I- movie. Jason Isaacs is so- phenomenal. He's been in tons of oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I love his character in this. Yeah, he just he did good. Too bad he got flayed like he did. <laughs> uh, Sean uh, Sean Pertwee. Um, last thing I remember seeing him in, he played um, Alfred in uh, the um, Gotham TV series. His father. Oh yeah. His his father, I think, played the first Doctor Who. You know, he one of his one of his one. His father played one of the Doctor Who's, so he he came he comes from you know a pedigree there, and and he's been in tons of stuff himself. Well, and that was like when Richard Jones started talking. Cooper, mm-hmm. I'm like I know I I couldn't rec- I didn't recognize his face right away, but I recognized the voice. And then I'm like, oh, he's the sergeant in the the show, the rookie. And I put that together. If you ever watch The Rookie, it's a cop show with Nathan Fillion. It's it's amazing. I love the show. Right. I'm like, he's the sergeant in there. And it's like, oh my God, the guy's gotten old and put a ton of weight on in between. That's why I didn't recognize him. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, uh. Some more than others. Yeah. And then, but, yeah, I was happy that, uh, <clears throat> that he was in there. And I realized who it was. I was like, ah. Oh, Terrific. It's like, I love this cast. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's where the cast comes in. Um, so let's talk about the movie itself. Uh, what did you like? What didn't you like? I mean, wait, let's talk about it. it it's obviously, it comes off as a bit scary. How does it, how does the, uh, how did the scares, like, hold up after, you know, I don't know, 20-some years? 25 years almost? I think it I think it still holds up fairly well because it is more of a, like a psychological phenomenon that you're experiencing and I think that um you know the idea that you can be like that you can still be driven to do some pretty crazy things to yourself um so I felt like that still held up um I felt like the special effects that went along with said psychological phenomenon um hold up so and i'm not sure about the science fiction behind it but i seem to like remember being something even recently about you know in a science fiction book about how you could theoretically create some sort of wormhole thing um 
like and contain it with magnetic fields. So although I do I do love how um ambitious they felt we would be colonizing the moon by 2015. <laughs> yeah, the uh <laughs> the, the dates I laughed when I saw the dates come across and like, oh yeah, we're not near this. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I just love all the science fiction. They had such high hopes for us. Yes. They did. They did. They, they really did. <laughs> Distant year. Yes, yes. <laughs> Twenty forty seven and now we're like Listen, um, we're still not even sure if we can get ourselves to Mars, let alone going up to Neptune. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I thought that that was I felt that the the science behind it seemed to do pretty well. Um, so I felt like most of it seems to hold up, other than the dates. But yeah. I thought some of the I, thought- uh, I mean, this is a traditional horror movie, you know there. You know, this military vessel, search and rescue vessel, going out to explore the event horizon, right? Along with Sam Neill's character, right? And the so they latch on to a non-load-bearing strut, right? And I'm like, okay, um, you would think they would listen to someone that was involved with maybe the building of it or who know this. I mean... So you would think that. And then the other thing that bothered me, this is earlier on in the middle film, is they walk into Event Horizon and there's this liquid kind of floating around and they're just batting it away. And I'm like, you don't know what happened on this ship. Wouldn't you go in with just a little bit more caution and care? But then, of course, we wouldn't have the movie. So, oh, that, that is, I did kind of wonder about that. I was like, because he said something about it being like fluid or something, like right. um, coolant, and he just like bats it away. So it's possible. We don't know. It's possible that you know they've done these sorts of missions before, and so they're used to seeing this kind of stuff. Like you know, if you if you see something day in and day out, you can kind of start to become a little bit lax about what you're doing. But you would think that an elite search and rescue team would know and have it drilled into them you don't become lax just because, oh, you've done this a hundred times before. Um, so, but as you said, probably wouldn't have a movie, you know? So. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead, Moss. So I was trying to see what, I mean, there, the, I mean, I was trying to observe the sci-fi element, but I was also trying to observe what um, uh, what aspect of humanity to um, explore and maybe uh, mess around with. And what I got from is that what they really did with the characters, especially the Sam Neill character, is um, uh, regret and guilt um, for just, just for something that happened to them um, and whatever evil forces on this ship, that's what, I mean, it was, you know, they used that to mess with the characters and, and, and try to use that to subdue them or destroy them and stuff. They did the same with Lawrence Fishburne too. And his regret with having to leave that one of his men behind on another mission to die came back to yep. continually haunt him. And the same with, I guess, uh, 
what's what's her name? Kathleen Quinlan. I guess her that character, might be like, yeah. Her character, her son, or something that she must have abandoned, had to abandon, or died, or something along the way there. They, well, she was supposed to see him, but then they got you know everybody's pissed right. off because they're supposed to be on leave, and then they they have to go on a mission, but a mission takes over two months to get for from point A to point B because they have to, you know, go into stasis for that long to, you know, or else, you know, that, that for long, for long trips in space, which I thought was interesting. I thought that if, if we ever could come up with something like that, I mean, that would be pretty cool. But, um, well, yeah, cause the gravitational forces at which you have to travel, like are so powerful, I guess it would liquefy your bones. I think is what they said. Yeah. Um, the speed you have to go. And that's and not even save, not even light speed. Yeah, but I think it's also just it would save on resources also, and and, and on life support. If, if you're in mm-hmm. stasis, you don't need to run air in the ship. You know, you, you don't have to pack as much food or whatever. So it's uh, make, makes perfect sense. You know, not to and, and alleviate boredom. I mean, you know, that would just be a long, oh. long ass flight for for two months. Well, it, it felt very classic. Um, getting back to your thing about you know the the human uh, message, you know, it felt very classic, like hubris of science, all about you know could have, not about should have, um, and the unintended consequences of just plowing ahead with um, scientific discovery um, without full understanding of what you're getting into or what the you know, because he was like, well, I folded a thing, I folded space in half, and they're like, do you even know where you folded it from, too? Like, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, and, you know, even, and his hubris continues at the beginning of the movie, because strange things are happening, and he keeps coming up with scientific reasons as to why it would be happening, completely dismissing the experiences of the crew as having, you know, some semblance of truth to them. Um, which is another thing that you can often see with experts of dismissing, you know, the people who have to live in an experience as not being, you know, in the know or not expert enough. Um, which is interesting because I come from a field that is the client is the expert in their own experience. So um, that's a very different mindset than I have when I'm approaching people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I hear you. It's it's also interesting that he's the one who then becomes like the vessel of the, I guess the darkness, evil thing. Um, So little, it's a little um, heavy-handed with the metaphor, then, of, you know, his own hubris is the vessel of which the destruction is wrought. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's a metaphor with him gouging his own eyes out. Is, is he blind to what you were just saying, Chrissy? I mean, it's possible. Um, so, there... There's totally a lot of possessed by a demon. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is it a demon? Is it just an entity? 
you like what what is this um it kind of the the movie also reminded me of a combination of like the reavers from firefly and then Ooh, like yes. the under underneath from stranger things and i kind of wonder if like some if you know some of that if this wasn't an inspiration for some of that um yeah. it very well be i know i want to see the original cut of this movie oh the 130 minute one yeah now oh yeah yeah i mean this comes from me like i i some of my first forays into the horror genre were like the hellraiser movies so i'd be very interested to see just exactly what they defined as a gore fest like this in 97 especially compared to today's standards (laughs) From what I understand, uh, we probably will not get a director's cut of this. I, I, I heard the rest of the footage is, is, is a bit of a gore fest. And even, you know, the studio was uh, disgusted by what they did. So um, nice. I, I, it's pretty bad when the studio is disgusted. Like, I'm just going to say that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's got to be pretty, uh, pretty brutal. So I did. Yeah. From what I read, it you know it, it it shocked a lot of viewers when they when they first was showing it for like um, target audiences and uh, before before they released it, it was um, they that, they had to do some editing to kind of tone down the, uh, the gore and violence. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Look at his face; he so wants it. It's like this is great for him. Bring it on! Oh, it's so bad. I want it so much. Yeah. Okay. Twisted part of my brain. So I, I posted an article on our show notes from Collider. Uh, Dave, if you want to read why we probably will not get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. You and would, at this point, you, I mean. You would think that the, the a full version does exist and that in this day and age, it'll be leaked in some way. Well, it depends on the medium that they that they recorded it on. Right. I mean, this is pre digital age stuff, so I mean, you're still on film and everything. I mean, it's that, it's very true. And that stuff's not made to last very. I mean, that awful long. So I mean, even if it was out there, it would it would require you know a digital transformation, probably a lot of restoration. And even, even another form of editing, because God knows what, I mean, if it was even, did he, did he fully, oh yeah, his initial cut. Okay, so it was finished, and then they had to cut more out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, like, I don't tend to like gore, gore fests, like, so some of this was a little bit, like, gory for me, just because I'm like, okay, we really need to show that, but Okay. But the, I mean, the you know the, the the entire premise of the whole thing I I, I really liked and, and I, I would love to see like a modern doesn't have to be quite as gory but like a modern version or a modern take on a movie like this that would be that could be really interesting 
Yeah, I really, I really did like the premise of it. I liked the execution of it. Um, um, I thought it was interesting how, like, even before you actually got to um, the ship Event Horizon, like, he was having, you know, strange dreams, strange, like, visions and hallucinations. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, when did the entity, like, really, almost, like, reach out through the, the universe to, like, and how long has it been? doing that um yeah yeah it would have been so. nice to have an expanded version or extended version that kind of incorporates a little bit more of that because there, there were a lot of things that were just kind of glossed over that really could have added a little bit more depth into the story yeah although sometimes not having real full explanations makes things scarier well, that's and that's that's it. That's it. I they mean, did they did something with um, Lawrence Fishburne's character. He sees his crewmate come out of the water on fire, and he sees it, and then they cut. They don't tell what what happened after that. They just go to the next scene, and he says, "I just saw you know my you know my old crewman on fire." But he does, you know, it's like so. There's pro- I would think there's a lot more going on in that scene that we didn't see. It right. just seemed very you know, weird editing, and so it must it must have been pretty disturbing after you know that what came after that. So I just noticed that was it seemed a, a weird way to stop that scene and then transition to the next scene. Yeah, like I, I think you could do this movie as just a, a straight up science fiction movie without having to have the horror aspect and the gore and everything, and it would be really really good. It, it would be. Yeah, good stuff. It is. I I thought it was a good movie for for being a horror science fiction. So I did. Um, I I did find um, a, a site talking about what what material was deleted. Um, oh, yeah. So the like like some of the and some of it has apparently there was a two thousand six DVD release that had some of the unfinished director cut on it. Like he didn't, it wasn't finished. It wasn't the finished film that he showed, but the one Dr. Weir gets briefed in the ship's return is demand to go on the mission to recover it. This scene was on the DVD release of the film in 2006. Captain Miller finds a human tooth with a gum attached to it in the corridor while exploding the ship. The bloody orgy scene that the main characters came across in the ship's log and learning of the original crew's fate was longer than the original cut. The scene lasts 20 seconds in the theatrical version, but is infamous for the incredibly graphic violence it contained, including shots of a character being stabbed through the head and a man pulling his intestines out of his mouth. Um, Ah. Yeah, so the initial version was longer and included shots of the character getting uh, screws drilled into their teeth and a character having their legs broken so hard they're eventually broken off as he crawls away. What? the final battle between Weir and Miller originally saw the Miller fight with I, the burning Weir who haunted him. The backstory was the trauma Miller had from a crew member as he was forced to let die prior mission was present. So, um, What else? What I find it, interesting right now is my reaction and Miles' reaction was like, oh, no, I don't think I would want to see that. <laughs> Dave is like, oh, yeah, give it to me. <laughs> yeah. So a couple others here. The vision of Miller's crew suffered in hell. Weir is forcing uh, Miller to experience more was more graphic. 
The cryosleep tank fills with blood and explodes, unleashing a wave of blood. Weir crawls down the ladder like a spider. Weir's wife, Claire's suicide reenactment was more graphic. And the discovery of the DJ's corpse by Captain Miller was longer. But, wow. There you, you apparently... Uh, this is a nasty movie. You can find yeah. you can find the original script if you want to read it. <laughs> available online if you really are interested to see what they cut. Interesting. So I know that you are dying to do that, so I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So enjoy. Abe, hey, I, I see a whole new side of you. Hey, it's again. Th- this was early on in that thing. It got to a point where. There was about a good year or so where me and another guy, me and like two other good buddies of mine would go and we'd see every new horror movie that came out in theaters. And it got to the point where I, I got, I was getting bored with it because while they all, well, they all were different. They're all the same. Like, it got to the point where you can predict every single thing that was going to happen. And everything that you think, oh, no, don't go into there. What are you doing? Oh, you got your throat cut. Well, that serves you, you dummy. So if we're ever in an actual horror film, we want to be with Dave because he'll tell us what not to do. Don't do that. Yes. Yes. It's just. Yeah, so we definitely they, they need to get another redundant. girl in, the, in in here because if I'm the only girl, I'm going to die. That's like I'll be one of the first. <laughs> yeah, hands down. That, that's that's why like we're bringing girl, Chrissy with us. The girl dies. <laughs> oh. Damn it! Just don't wear a red shirt. We'll, we'll we'll dress her up in red and it'll just be double whammy, right? <laughs> first one just, to die. Just walk over there, <laughs> man. Brutal. But then, yeah, then you get to like, oh my gosh, I hear something. Don't, just don't. Well, it'd be like your stormtrooper thing, Scott. You shot me. Listen, this is how it happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just just stick with the story, okay? Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) So, were you watching horror films around the whole, when the whole Saw franchise was working its way through? Oh, yeah. I saw, I own a bunch of the Saw movies. Um, I think I've seen all but like the last two or three that came out because they just got boring to me. And the same with the, the Hostel movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I have a couple of them I still own. Did you go but, to Field of Screams? No, because that, that crap... See, I, I'm one for watching a movie, but going places like that causes me to get defensive and almost violent. For example, buddy, me, buddy of mine and I went a couple of years back out over to York. They were doing some kind of zombie hunt thing where it was like a glorified, almost like laser tag, where you got these these little toy guns or whatever that had little like laser tag things on it. And as you walk through this haunted building and stuff like that, you'd have people pop out as zombies and you were there to shoot the zombies, basically. And that was fine until I almost took the butt of that rifle and almost knocked the poor kid out because he jumped out and scared the crap out of me, and I really wasn't expecting it. Like he did a really good job at it. He did a good job at, at, at what he did, 
but he almost got knocked out for it. And that was the moment I'm like, okay, I, I cannot go to this kind of stuff. Because okay. I just, I don't like getting spooked like that right on. And it doesn't, it doesn't wind up well. But movies, I'll sit and watch it on the screen all the time. I don't care. Doesn't affect me. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought in watching this and uh, that struck me is, you know how in like the recent like 10, 15 years, they began to mess around with like the opening, like the opening studio logo credits where they like blend them into the film. And this is probably one of the earliest things I've ever seen of that sort of credit, you know, bringing the uh, bringing the uh, credit things into like where they kind of suck them into the black hole. You know, you don't really see that stuff too much. I, I can't recall like 80, 80 movies doing that like in the 90s. Um, so this I thought was kind of creative for that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even catch that or think about that because I've gotten so used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that era, you didn't have that those kind of effects like that done. No. Yeah. yeah. Neat little effect. I, I found it interesting, Miles. You, you, you put some um, figures of what this movie cost and what it actually brought in. Is that correct? Um, according to almighty Google... Well, I mean, if it's on Google, it can't be wrong. And, and, and awesome the, actually, uh, Box Office Mojo confirmed what the what it made in the U.S. Right, because it did not make money. No. 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 In fact, it it lost money, but it lost like twenty million out of that deal. Yeah. Yep. But. Wonder how much that they would got back. Yeah. Wonder how much that was spent on all the added gore effects and everything like that. They had to cut out. Right. Well, just there was a scene that, just a visual effects scene that cost them a lot of money. Um, it, was, it was just one of the the exterior shots. I think I think with the space station Earth over in the Earth. That I mean, it was oh, a yeah. nice nice shot, but but for. You know, you said earlier this was not the era of CGI, so that that that, that took a lot of money out of the budget to make that scene. Right. Yeah, because that was probably all still like actual physical models. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a really good scene. Like I remember yeah. being very impressed by the opening. Yeah. Being like, oh wow, this is impressive. I mean, for for nineteen, I kept telling like, wow, this is nineteen ninety seven. Like it was just a really, I mean. Most of it held up pretty well for right. 1997. I right. mean, I'd be interested to see how much the model of the Event Horizon ship itself cost to make, because there's a couple shots you got of the exterior that were pretty darn detailed and pretty intricate. Oh yeah, the the, the shots of the ships were you know very very good. I mean, they look great. Yeah. Wonder if I can get a model of that. I'm sure you can somewhere. But, uh, so you want to hear about some continuity errors? Sure. So upon entering Event Rising, Captain Miller comments on how the ship is in a deep freeze and how there's ice crystals everywhere. So why is this a problem when we enter the ship? There's no ice crystals. 
there's a water bottle floating around with liquid sloshing around inside of it. Huh. Whoopsie. Yeah. It thawed out really fast, okay? <laughs> they get me made the ship really hot and then they cooled it down. That that's how it is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The uh picked up on that. Yeah. The uh <laughs> Lewis and Clark crew enter stasis on the way to Neptune, made necessary because of the 30 Gs of acceleration they will endure for the trip. When they arrive at Neptune, however, there are coffee cups and other debris on the tabletops, loose chairs, etc., in the same position as they were before the trip. So. Yeah, that's continuity. Yeah. Um, factual, uh, some factual errors. Um, it is said that Event Horizon is Event Horizon is in a decaying orbit. However, it's obvious they are in the troposphere of Neptune and therefore no longer in orbit and should be experiencing gravity that of Earth. <laughs> but I, I was wondering about them saying it was in orbit and then it was in Neptune. I was like, right, right. like well, maybe I misremembered. Yeah, you, because you, it's funny. Yeah. Because when you first see the ship, it's in the gaseous clouds. Right. And then when they board it, it's out in space. Right. Yeah. Here, Chrissy, this one's for you. I mean, it floats up and down. Right, right. This one's for you. This is so the the Liberate uh, Tetumete or whatever Tetumet is wrong in Latin. I'm also pronouncing it wrong, but Liberate is second person plural imperative. Uh, tetumet is the emphatic second person singular pronoun. <laughs> so they did not have the correct I mean, Latin. It is possible. It's possible that the guy speaking Latin didn't know how to conjugate things correctly. Nah, it's quite possible. Yeah. I don't always get the conjugation I, right in Spanish, right? But I mean, I conjugation right in English. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Facts. I, I, I usually get the, the conjugation correct in German, but don't ask me about der, die, das, den, 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 des. Who knows? Spin a wheel. Say an article. Hope and pray. Right. <laughs> if you guttural inflections in there, and you're sigh, you're fine. Just, I vote we just make everything D in German, but the Germans haven't gone for it. So. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I would be. I would think I'd be a little bit pickier about the Latin if um, it was written down as someone, you know. Like, well, it's possible this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. After all, he was insane when he was talking. Insane people, you know, I guess can't conjugate Latin. It's a rule. What? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Anyways, um, what did you guys think of, like, the music and the atmosphere that was done through sound? I'm like I said, I really was impressed by my first impressions of the movies with, with regards to the to the atmosphere and the music and just like the, the general setting. I I really liked that. Um I I pretty much really liked the movie up until it really started getting gory. Um right. and then I was like eh. I mean it's not like I haven't sat through horror movies before with gore. I mean had an ex-boyfriend who made me sit through two Saw movies, and I'm like, why are we here watching this in the theater? <laughs> Look at Dave. So, yes, Dave, I will watch a horror movie with you if you really need someone to go to a horror movie with you. But I'm over them. It won't be my first choice. Yeah. 
It's usually not mine either. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, they. I don't know. I th- I think the whole. I mean, the music certainly matched matched the thematics really well. Yeah, it, it created it helped create the atmosphere in this movie. Yeah. Kind of. The full of suspense and yeah and uh, yeah. So I was watching a YouTube um, review of the movie and I didn't pick up on it, but the guy was like saying even the inside of the the event horizon almost kind of looked like a church in some ways, uh, just. Like the consoles are almost shaped, sort of had a, like an altar type feel. Um, the bulkheads kind of had a, like a look like um, pillars in a church, inside a church. So they were trying to go, I don't know, a, a spooky religious uh, vibe. I guess that would fit with like the regrets and maybe sin and, you know. The, those kind of things you were talking about earlier. Um, so, and of course, the this is being downfall of man. So, I mean, it's possible that there's a lot of, like, some religious connections we haven't made yet. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Because it also makes lots of, like, because, I mean, even the fact that they had him speaking in Latin seems kind of, seems a little bit weird. Like, right. oddly religious. Um because most of the time in modern day, we use Latin kind of in two instances. One, you're talking about Roman history. Um, or it's something to do with the Catholic Church. Right. Yeah. So, and then of course, you know, hell, open up another dimension. Did you open up a dimension to hell? Who knows? Yeah. Um, so... I also thought the where people people don't want to spoil there at the very end. I guess I guess skipped like two three minutes. Um, I thought it was interesting at the very end how like she still has like the horrific visions that kind of follow her when they're getting rescued, right. and then like the doors close, and you kind of get the impression that they may have brought hell with them. Uh huh. This ain't over. Humans typically do. Yeah, so I guess... Go ahead. I I did like the floating captain's chair suspended from the ceiling on the Lewis and Clark. Yes. The first ship coming in, he just slowly spins the thing around. Right. That that was pretty neat. Well, even the two names of the ship, you have the Event Horizon. So, like... Because when you hit an event horizon, it's too late. You're getting sucked down into the black hole. And then Lewis and Clark being the exploration of that tipping point. And so it wasn't necessarily just the ship. It was going to the ship and then having to bring it back. That's the tipping point of hell for humanity. If we go with the end. Interpret- or my interpretation of the end. It works yeah. for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um, very good. Let's let's, let's talk about, so uh, looking at this movie in retrospect, how do we rate this movie? Um, let's do it out of five stars. Would we, would we recommend it? What do we think of it? Where are we at with this? 
And uh, Miles, let's start with you. Um, I'm going to go with a 2.75. Uh, I just don't do horror and gore. Uh, it's just, it's just not my thing. Uh, I, the first few minutes of the movie, the, 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 the sci-fi aspect of it, uh, exploring, you know, it is, uh, faster than light travel, that kind of stuff I thought was interesting. Uh, but then when it got into the more darker stuff and the graphics stuff, uh, it kind of lost me. So, um, yeah, this is not one I'll be going back to anytime soon. All right. Chrissy, how about you? Well, I'm going to rate it based on what it is. So for a horror movie, I'm going to give it, I'm going to, I'm going to take a page out of Miles books and make it a decimal, but it's going to be a very special decimal. It's going to be 3.14159. Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, there was math involved. I mean, That's right. You can't just give it three stars. It's got to be pie. Right. Um, so I'll give it pie stars. Um, but no, I, I did feel that it was a really, it was, it was a solid, solid horror movie, um, yeah. and a solid sci-fi movie. So if those are the things that you like, you should watch this movie. If those yeah. are things that you don't like, well, one, I'm not quite sure why you're on listening to a sci-fi podcast and going science fiction. So yep. rethink your life. And two. <laughs> it's, wit, it's wit like that that drives those viewers back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but if if you don't like horror, then then don't watch it. Yep. Pass. Yeah. No. No. Dave, how about you? Where are you at with this? I'm giving it a four. I, I I've watched this movie multiple times. I, I've loved it since the first time I saw it, and I mean, visually, as far as like the the science fiction stuff, I mean, it, even from '97, it, it still holds up very very well. In, in my mind, um, mixed enough horror and stuff in there to keep it really suspenseful. It, it's it's good. I mean, I, I go a long time between viewing, so it's it's not as repetitive as if it was like a Star Trek movie that I could quote line for line. Right. Um. But yeah, I I, I really I've always enjoyed this movie, and I still do now, even after watching it again. So I'll give it a four. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about my rating of this thing. Um, if I'm, I, I like the way Chrissy worded it, like for what it is and for the. Hang on one second. <sighs> Sorry. They're like yelling in the other room and I can hear it. It means it's like this episode is going to be a bear to edit. Um, <laughs> But so I look at it for what it is. Um, and I think that I would rate this to be like a 4.5. Not because it is my cup of tea, because I'm with Miles. Like, I will never gravitate to this sort of movie. That being said, it, is, it effectively does what it sets out to do. And that is to scare you and to freak you out a little bit. Um, I think, and it holds up over twenty. It, and that so, yeah, so this is the other reason I'm scoring this high is that 
I feel like like this movie hasn't. There's there are a few effects that date it, but it, as a general rule, it holds up. And even the psychological horror of it kind of holds up and kind of freaks you out just with what they do with it. And uh, I'm with Miles. Like if I never see this movie again, I'm okay with that. But that doesn't that doesn't make it a bad movie. It just makes it a movie that if I'm going to rate it on preference, then this movie is like a 1.5 or two. But if I rate it as the the movie that it set out to be, then it's a 4.5 for me because I think that it it's well done. Um, it's some cheesy acting, but in a general role, uh, well acted with a with a stellar cast, and um, and and I and I like it. I like it from that aspect. I figured you were going to give it the one point five or two because that's what you made in your pants the first time you watched it. <laughs> ah, you're so funny, but so funny, so funny. All the scatological humor coming out from Dave. So, <laughs> did you just do the Jeopardy laugh? I most certainly did. <laughs> yes. Day is mine. That's what you did in your pants, Tremaine. <laughs> oh my god. That Saturday Night Live will never get old. Not in a million years. <laughs> oh my. Well, this is uh, <laughs> this has been very fun, and um, I have to cue some spooky music, spooky music in here. But this has been great, just talking about what's been uh, about Event Horizon, revisiting this movie, uh, much to my chagrin and much to my sleep chagrin. And I am uh, glad that we watched it, and that um, I can now have cleaner shorts from here on out. <laughs> Except for next year when we make you watch a different horror movie. Maybe. Maybe. Well, that's something spectacular. But that's a good question. Like, is are there is there a subgenre of sci-fi that bridges horror like this one did? Like I don't know of any other movies that really do this, unless you're gonna count like Alien or Predator. Uh, maybe like the Cube. Like, like the the Cube, maybe. Okay. Um, with think- with the rooms that were kind of horror ass. I don't know. I think there's some that kind of flip into it. Um, this one definitely is a bit more like space opera type. Let's go fly to another planet and experience horror, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to tell like where exactly a genre like stops and starts because right. a lot of times I wouldn't like count most of those things as science fiction because I'm just like. This is just an excuse to have a random monster jump out at you, and they decided right. to make it from space, as opposed to from this is that's like more Lovecraftian horror, like from you know space thing. Like I wouldn't count that as science fiction. But this really felt science fiction because the horror came from us through science opening up a portal to probably shouldn't, and right. you know. Our understanding of what it is comes almost like this weird religious hell thing, but we don't actually know what it is. It could have just been some sort of weird microorganism making us all crazy. That, yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, this movie, as we said, did not do well at the box office. And maybe there's a reason we don't see a lot of these types of movies, because people go to see science fiction. As a general rule, we go to 
you know, vanquish an alien enemy. We go to see the best of ourselves or the possibility, our hope, but we don't go to be, have our pants cleaned at the cleaners every time. You know, we just don't, it's just not, not the, the, not the reason I watch sci-fi. Certainly I don't watch it and say, okay, I need a good scare tonight. Let me flip on the sci-fi channel. Although that might be scary in its own right for different reasons. But, but I mean, you know, we just don't, we just don't do that. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're looking, we're coming to science fiction with a slightly different motive than maybe this movie would intentionally come. Like I kind of put yeah. like the movie Doom. Like, have you guys ever seen that? Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. What well, it was? In, yeah, Carl Orban, no. great. Yeah, that that's a good one. I, I almost put that into this kind of same category. I mean, it's a little less gory and a little less horror-ish. Right. But it it runs kind of the same the same like idea, I think. Would it would 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 would, 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 how, would would Alien kind of be in this in this genre? That's level? what I mean. Like Alien would would fit this genre probably a lot better, just for the simple fact of, of all the suspense, right? That that rolls through that movie. At least certainly the first one. Yeah, because you don't really see the the Xenomorph that much, especially right away. People just mysteriously die, right? Brutally. Yeah, we we definitely could could visit maybe maybe next year we'll have to visit Alien. Yeah, we could do that. Yes, that would be good. Uh, yeah, it's been a while we, since we I saw it. Definitely should that. see. I'm going to start a new October tradition on this on this podcast. Hey, I think I think we should do one. We should do one for the Fourth of July. We should do one for. Well, that I mean, we can't Independence do Independence Day, Day every yes. year. I mean, well, no. You do it every other year because there's two Independence Day movies. So, you know, you I'll just, just kind of alternate back and forth. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Um, but no. So, it, it was good. And, and I liked, liked the discussion. And, yeah, I like seeing new and different things. Yeah. Um, even if this is actually not new, but different. Right, it's different. right, right. Um, new to you. Yeah. It's new to me. Yes. There we go. All right. Very good. Well, it's been great chatting. Let's uh, let's take us out of the show here. All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Leave your tips on the table. And go boldly to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast on YouTube. And don't forget, we are still waiting for that one lucky person to send that email to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know you want those two autographed pictures. And we'll get them to you. Yep, absolutely. People who, who expose themselves to like horror movies or like dangerous video games or things actually, um, they they have some studies backing up that those people are more able to handle like scary, like anxiety-inducing situations better. Um, Doesn't surprise because me. Because their their condition their bodies are already conditioned to handle that like psychological stress, so it's actually almost like a form of inoculating yourself to being more resilient in day to day situations. Yeah, I've seen I've seen studies like that before. We interviewed Miles. Were you a part of that when we interviewed some guy? Um, who did we do that? We interviewed some guy that had written a book about yes, psychological. So- he was and he'd written a, he had written about this very thing about the psychology of horror movies. 
Yeah, and I asked her point blank. I said, uh, you know, why, 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 why do people like horror movies? And uh, he said that's actually a good question because it's most people. It presents a situation where most people would definitely want to avoid, and, but at the same time, we want to be entertained by watching it. Always used to tell us suffering's good for the soul. Right. The older I get, the more I understand it. Right. Well, and you you see, you see, especially this this whole another conversation. But you see, the like, you know, our current generation does everything to avoid suffering, and um, and it's not, and the the, the ability to handle it is, uh, it becomes a bit tougher. To a noble job of. Shield it, trying to shield them from it. That you get a little bit of, of adversity in your life, and all of a sudden you have no idea how to handle it. Like, come on, Nancy, suck it up. You know, I, I will say that playing video games and pushing myself to play more difficult levels and stuff really did help build up some of that resilience. Um, and what you guys don't know about me is, um, when I was younger, I had a traumatic event happen to me. Um, I ended up having some PTSD and a co-morbid um, anxiety disorder where I was having panic attacks. And part of, you know, getting over it um, was, like, putting myself into almost, like, these anxiety-inducing situations where I'm like, oh, my God, my character's going to die. But I was perfectly safe in the situation. And the worst that happened was... I lost my progress and had to start again. And so, you know, it, it was really helpful. And even like things like, you know, killing bugs when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, it's a spider. Now I'm just like, oh, a spider. I've slayed fat five thousands of these and wow, smack with my shoe and move on with my life. Like, I mean, Dave's laughing, but like, those things are really big in comparison to your character. Like, your character's this big and the spider is this big. Like, you know, and it's like jumping at you in, on your screen. You're like, ah, it's a spider. Like, it's at you. Um, but like, you're, you're, it starts teaching your brain to like handle this stuff. So I, I do, I'm not, that's why I'm like, I'm not too into like gore, but I don't mind horror that scares me or things that like, do that because it does have that effect on your body and then like it starts again exposure therapy like I said start you know it helps you learn how to cope with that anxiety and those adversities and to be able to handle that day to day stuff and like you said a lot of people have been so cocooned in this little safe world that they don't know how to handle it when it's no longer safe 